With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the World Cup pod here on Anfield Index. After England made light work of their second group game, sweeping newcomers Panama aside, 6-1 is football in danger of coming home. We'll discuss all that on the pod today to help me discuss that burning question, cover Senegal's thrilling draw with Japan, and also touch on Colombia's pretty substantial win over Poland in the end. I'm joined by AI overlord Gags Tandon, of course, and host of the Academy pod, Guy Drinkle. Welcome, guys. Hi, Harry. Hi, Harry. Hi, Greg. You alright, Harry? Harry Gert. Alright, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Interesting day. I think it's the yeah, first yeah. time I've potted with you. <laughs> really? You've hosted me. I don't think you've been a guest with me, though. Ah, right. Okay, fine. Then we can, we can, we can, we can fight then. Sorted. Mm. <laughs> Is it plenty to talk about today, of course, but I think we, we have to start off. With the first opening game of the day, obviously England's 6-1 win over Panama. Um, before we get into the actual game itself, guys, and, and, and maybe talk about some of the records, some of the, some of the reaction to it as well. Um, I just want to sort of talk about the only change to that lineup that, that we saw coming into the game was Deli Ali not playing, of course, still recovering from a little bit of an injury and, um, Ruben Loftus cheek coming into that team. Um, just your thoughts on his performance first, Gags? I mean, I thought he was somebody... okay, yeah, he was fine. He looks quite direct. I've not seen much of him for Palace, yeah. to be honest. I don't watch, I don't think he played against us, or I can't remember him if he did, but, uh, he's in the, in, in the performances he's had for England, he's been quite direct. He looks like he likes to take players on. Um, yeah, he's not been, he's not been bad at all. He was fine. He fitted in okay. You know, I think the real test will be once the, uh, opposition, goes up a few notches in this World yeah. Cup. Um, England and Belgium obviously received two buys, uh, each in this, in, in, in this <laughs> tournament in the draw. So, um, anyone obviously getting too carried away, but it's fun. It's fun. And, uh, basically the, 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 it didn't change too much, did it? Swapping them didn't change too much. So that was the main thing. They, 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 England looked exactly the same. They did okay. They did fine. Yeah. Guy, what, what did you think of his performance as well? Because I thought that, I mean, Gags mentions that he is quite direct. I think he's he's young enough now that although, although his talent's pretty clear to see, people aren't exactly sure what he's going to turn into in terms of a player. So, um, but he he did, he did appear to be somebody who was willing to be a bit more direct at times. Whereas I think some some of those midfielders, perhaps with the exception of Lingard, with some of those runs he was making, have been accused of not being that way in the past. Did you think he was? Do you think he was good today? Obviously, again, sort of context of the opponents yeah i thought he was all right i mean it, it, it was a really weird game uh i'll get on to a loftus cheek in a sec but i thought everyone played all right but, but we won 6-1 so you'd think everyone was exceptional but i thought loftus cheek kind of fell into that 
into the uh, category of of all right. I think he was overshadowed by Lingard and Sterling a bit. Um, I thought his cameo against Tunisia was a bit better, but that was against tired legs and stuff like that. But I thought he was, I thought he was good, and I think it's difficult coming in for Deli Ali, who's obviously one of England's shining young prospects and main men in the team. So I think the fact that Loftus Cheek basically on half a season of Premier League football is now in the squad and a trusted um, part of it. I think it, it shows how how uh, big an impact he's actually made. But today I thought um, he was good. He was good. It wasn't that the marauding stuff we saw against Tunisia, but I thought he was quite clever. He fit in quite well with um, with Sterling and Lingard. I think that's kind of the key to the team, isn't it? How how the f- the front man, which is Sterling, rotates with the midfield. And I think he was doing that quite well. And I think you made a good point there, Harry, that nobody knows what he's going to be yet. But you see kind of little shades of all the previous great English midfielders, don't you? I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to be the next Gerard Lampard or whatever, but there's, there's kind of Gerard's directness, and you can kind of see signs of Lampard's movement in there. So And, and shooting deflected shots in. <laughs> yeah. does work as well. That, that's, that's Ryan Babble stuff. Like doesn't it also show you, though, that how, uh, you know, how much of a lack of talent there is, a talent pool for England out there? If Loftus Cheeks played only half a season and got, I'm not saying taking anything away from him. Mm. I thought he was good, uh, and he has been good, and he's justifying it. But it just shows you that there's no one else that was good enough to be in the squad for that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Or, or maybe does he does he take does he take Lallana's spot? Maybe. Um, well, Lallana, isn't it? Ah, yeah. Good shout. Two Liverpool players, yeah. Mm. Both of them missing out. They both would have gone, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. The, the both, they probably team. both would have started as well. Well, Ox started the friendlies before, and in in I think he was playing next to Henderson, but the formation was a bit different, so he mm. might have changed his mind. Mm. But I think Ox would have been perfect in in one of the probably in the Lingard role for me. Yeah, you think about the sort of the strength that Ox possesses in terms of what what we saw throughout the season at Liverpool prior to his injuries, especially towards the end of the season. And you do and you do think it's a real shame for him because obviously. And he missed out on that Champions League final in the end, but you're also missing out on this chance as well. I think he could have definitely stamped his authority on it. But um, just to go back to the game, I mean, is England's best start to a World Cup campaign um, ever? Obviously, they've won their two opening group games beforehand, but it's sort of the manner in which they've done so. And I think it's um, only the fifth team to score five goals before halftime in a World Cup match ever, uh, and the first team to score five goals since Germany actually thrashed Brazil, of course, seven-one in that last. Uh, 2014 semi-final. So obviously things are good, but I think as Gags mentioned, they, we have to sort of consider sort of Belgium and ourselves getting a little bit of a buy here in terms of the quality of the opposition we've been up against then. So before we get into the goals, guys, I mean, Gags, what did you make of, uh, of Panama then? I mean, we'd seen a little bit of, of them against Belgium and we're sort of wondering what we're going to expect, but they're rough and ready, weren't they? Would it be harsh to call them thugs? Would it be yeah. harsh? Because they, so. they were, they were awful like that. I mean, that, if that's their game plan, they were just, just, uh, an international version of Wimbledon from back in the eighties and early nineties, <laughs> you know, that's what you'd call them. They were just, they just wanted to kick and push. And I said in one of the WhatsApp groups, I said, after the first um, corner, they didn't get they didn't the decision didn't go uh, England's way, and they didn't get the penalty. But I said they're going to give away a penalty today, guaranteed they're going to give away a penalty today, and they ended up giving up too because they were just really silly. They were really silly. You'd think you'd give up, you know, once you're four 0 down, you'd think you'd give up that plan because it's not working. 
These are the, this is the England team that they are plenty, there's plenty of thugs in the Premier League. You know, plenty of stuff goes on like that in the Premier League where you're kicked and you're harried. And if there's any team that's going to be used to it, it's ours, you know, I, I think personally, I think it won't work against them because the, the, that's what happens. The, the, the big teams, especially, they get the shit kicked out of them every week in the Premier League, every week. So, and they, and they handled it really well, to be honest. There was no fisticuffs. There was no, you know, none of this backbiting or, or trying to go back at them or, or sticking a leg out like Beckham. None of that shit happened. They just took it on the chin and said, you know what? We're just going to smash you. And, and, and that's what they did. And I thought, you know, I just, it was very weird, very, very weird from Panama. You think they'd give up uh, after a while of doing it, but they carried on pretty much the whole game. I thought the second half, obviously, when you get there, it was a bit of a dead game, wasn't it, at that point? So maybe, maybe it did slow down at that point, but. England had to make some subs because they just don't, you can't risk <laughs> one of these guys at 6-0 or whatever doing a double-footed tackle on one of your players. So they they took Kane off pretty sharpish as soon as he got the hat-trick. No, for sure, yeah. I thought that was... It did seem to be symptomatic of the of, of sort of main game plan was to be rough and ready with everybody. And um, But as you mentioned, yeah, I think these Premier League players are going to be used to it. And it, I think it is a good point, actually, about sort of the reactions and sort of the the lack of reaction that we saw from some of the players. Because there are a few characters who you can imagine, you know, who were in contention to being called up for this World Cup squad. Uh, I'm thinking of Wilshire and Shelby in particular here. Who you thinking like, because potentially from, those characters. And you've got to learn from past mistakes, haven't you? Like Rooney's and, oh, and, yeah. and Beckham's. You've got to learn from your past mistakes. And these are the things that really let us down in the past. And, you know, you've got to, maybe, maybe there is something to Gareth Southgate. Maybe, maybe there is some coaching. Because obviously, when you get to the goals, we'll talk about some of that. There is signs of stuff that they work on and they're doing stuff and there's some clever things going on. So there is some praise to be attached. I mean, we'll talk about getting carried away and all that as well. There is definitely, they've got to be praised because like you said, they've not done it before. We have, England have been rubbish against minnows before, knocked out by minnows before, uh, teams that are, you know, supposedly inferior to England. Have, have humbled them in the past. When you take all of those things into account, you have to, you have to say, well done, you know? No, for sure. And Guy, I mean, to start off with the goals, and obviously we've got six to talk about here, but, um, uh, in the opening game against Tunisia, we saw two set pieces where we sort of got those goals from in terms of Kane being sort of real poacher strikers goals there. Um, and again, the set pieces, I mean, there's been plenty of set-piece goals so far this World Cup for all the teams, really, and penalties. Thanks to VAR, sort of helping us out there a little bit. But um, um, the set-pieces continued for us, of course. Um, eight minutes in, John Stones gets that header completely unmarked in the box there. Obviously, we'll come on to talk about the other goals, but good positive start for England there. What did you make of sort of that, and what do you make of their strength from set-pieces? Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? I mean, especially with John Stones getting getting the goals, I don't out with the free centre backs. I mean, you look at Harry Maguire, who's got like a proper Steve Bruce beach ball head. Uh, <laughs> you'd be yes. expecting him to score. <laughs> be expecting him to be scoring the headers, but no, John Stones is is looking like the threat from uh, from set pieces. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a weird one. Um, maybe maybe the these minnow teams, as the gags called them, just I don't know, just not used to. A, a quality set piece taker because that's what it seems to be. There seems to be such a vulnerability, not just not just Tunisia and Panama, but in the in the tournament, as you said, it's 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 just mad how many 
scrappy set piece goals there has been. Um, it's like it's like Liverpool earlier in the season where the second ball was just a no go. Um, but no, for England it seems to be one of the main um, routes uh, to, to goal scoring because we have three centre back. Well, one's half a centre back with Kyle Walker, um, and we seem to have a, a, a good um, set piece taker in, in Kieran Trippier who. Probably his biggest um, strength is crossing the ball and taking set pieces. I mean, that's his main threat for uh, for Spurs. But he started the, the tournament pretty positive. I'm not sure how many assists he's actually got, but um, I think he got one today at the very least. So, yeah, I think Trippier's had a, probably been one of England's best players, and it, it's weird for a right-back to, to be doing that, but Trippier's had a really good start to the to the. Uh, tournament for England and John Stones and other centre-backs will probably uh, just get their reward for, for quality delivery. Yeah, of course, I think we are seeing, sort of seeing an increased sort of vulnerability from set-pieces from, from plenty of the small teams, as you mentioned there, Guy, and uh, Trippier in this in this setup as well doesn't seem to be especially effective as well, so I was thinking about sort of the value he's adding onto his contract actually, as he goes into the summer after this tournament, but um, one of the guys who's taken plenty of the headlines, and I mean, he, rightly so, I guess, he's, he is now top goal scorer at the World Cup currently with, with five goals. Uh, Gags, I'll, I'll let you speak about him because, of course, you are oh a big God. fan of the guy. Um, the Lionheart, the, uh, the inspirational speaker that is Harry Kane. Um, let's talk about the first goal that he scores there. It's uh, a penalty where we finally get one for himself, where he's... he's yeah, he did yeah. deserve that. He's been wrestled down in, in the previous game <laughs> and, you know, we, the game, that game should have been over by half time. You know, England should have been, it's quite funny actually. England were 5 nil up in this one. England should have been 4 nil up in the other one. To be honest, the way they played, probably the best 30 minutes of a team, I think, in terms of carving a team up. But again, look at the opposition. Uh, in this one, yeah, uh, the, he's, he's again pulled down early on and then again in the second, the second time he gets the peno. And you can't complain with, with the way he took it, to be honest. I know no, he's, he's no. not a Liverpool fan's favourite man at all. And, uh, you know, he, he loves claiming the goal, as we'll find out in a minute as well. But he, he took two penalties of supreme quality. Uh, probably the two best ones in the World Cup, I think. They were just right in the top corner. There's no way anyone saves them and powerful as well. Like, shows supreme confidence. And one thing that you hear from the, um, the interviews prior to this game, so I don't know who it was, but I, I saw one of the players say he walks around training saying we're going to win the World Cup. He goes around telling every player we're winning this World Cup. He is uber positive. He is spreading just positivity in the camp. There's no divide. There's no nonsense. There's no Gerard V. Lampard like in the olden days of who's playing where or any camps or whatever nonsense going on. That there used to be reports of. It's all, it's all a big unit. And you can tell when they, when, when, you know, when they're on the pitch and they all, basically all, all 10 of them jump on top of each other when they score. It's a, it's a pylon, you know, and they give a, they seem to, they seem to give a shit about each other as well. So he's doing a, a decent job off the pitch in turn, it looks like, in terms of leading them. I don't think he's any, he's not a, He's not a leader on it for sure. He's he's an inspiration, I think, more than anything. He works his ass off, without doubt. And uh, the you know you you can't complain. You can't complain when you when you've got Harry Kane in your team. You're gonna get goals. And I know I know I know they aren't um, 
it's probably the shittest hat trick ever. Like two penalties and a and a fluke off your heel. But then again, the two poachers' goals in the first game were class. I thought in terms of being in the right place at the right time and that header in the corner against against Tunisia right at the end. It was so you know he's one of those players that will get those goals and it's it's good to have for England. It really is. Yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, in the first part, I was talking about the um, just a tiny bit about the result against Tunisia and, and, and the types of goals he scored there. I compared him to a couple of players, and I, I, I got a little bit of stick for doing it, and, I, and I'm probably rightly so when you're mentioning people's names like Miroslav Klose and things like that. But the reason I was doing it was, guy, just to mention um, those sorts of players alongside Kane is, as Gags is mentioning there, you know, sometimes you could perhaps accuse Kane of maybe he can be a little bit of a peripheral figure in a game despite you know, the fact that he can work very hard for you and things like that but when you do have a, a striker who has those not natural instincts and that natural finishing ability to him these sorts of tournaments are perfect for those players to you know, make a big name for themselves in um, and we know as Liverpool fans as well sort of the headache it can be when you haven't got a defined penalty taker mm. what did you think about sort of Harry Kane's performance today obviously Gags mentioned there it's, it's it's not the most glamorous of hat tricks, but uh, um, pretty reliable uh, frontman for England now, isn't he? It, yeah, it, it's a weird one. I mean, you see him for Spurs, and I think his I think his role's just kind of completely different. I know, I know. Yeah. At Spurs, he's uh, he's obviously famed for his for his consistent goal scoring. I think it's three years in a row now that he's got like twenty five plus or something yeah, like that. Tw- twenty one, twenty five, twenty nine, thirty, going yeah. up each year as well. Yeah, not, not down. Yeah. That's mental. <laughs> that is stupid concern. Well, it may included called him all season wonder. Um, but yeah, it, it's a weird. I think for Spurs, he's he's not just a goal scorer. He'll drop deep and then you'll see Deli Ali run on beyond and stuff like that. Whereas I think in this England setup, you don't see him dropping deep and stuff like that because you've got basically three number 10 slash wingers playing behind him. Uh, if it's if it's not, well, we saw today Loftus-Cheek, Sterling and Lingard, but if you take Loftus-Cheek out and put Ali in there, it, they're, the, they're the creative fulcrum that, we need, that, that the England team can build around and then Harry Kane can just naturally score his goals and I think that's what we've seen in the tournament. We haven't seen him drop deep to man the ball and try and create space with Raheem Sterling I mean I think Sterling was pretty good today but again he's still not the best in front of goal which we've seen at Man City and for us at Liverpool isn't it so I think I think we're just using Kane in more of a classic number nine way rather than seeing this modern striker business where you have to be more involved in the play Um, so yeah I think I think that's why Harry Kane's getting these scruffy goals and Everyone loves a shit hat trick, don't let's be honest. I mean, that Dirk Cout one against Man United yeah. all them years ago when it was like two yards. Uh, that's the best hat trick in, in the history of football, in my opinion. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Harry Kane one. Today, today he wasn't involved loads, but you, you have to give him man of the match for a hat trick. I know people probably, some people may not like it, but you get a hat trick. He's done his job. Doesn't matter if he's got a penalty and a shitty deflected goal, but he's done his job. Yeah, the, the, penalties, the, the penalties were great, though, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen, we've seen even James Milner, who's like a robot, struggle at penalties for Liverpool this season. So mm. having someone who's that cool in front, on on the spot, it, it it's just it's good to for the country you support to know that. Hopefully, we don't get to a shootout when any ends up fucking up. Anyway, <laughs> Harry, I'd be I'd be interested to know: Has there been a World Cup day without a penalty? Oh God. You know, because it feels like this one every day. 
it does I think what we've seen as well is that VAR is helping us a lot more in terms of like in 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 games that perhaps would have petered out into becoming nil nils. What we've seen is either big errors towards the end of the games have happened, or what, what decisions that wouldn't have been mm. given have been given. Um, so I just I guess it just goes to show you that there's a lot more sort of wrestling in in, in the penalty area that we've always known has been there. I mean, I, mean, I, I sort of shuddered to think what would happen to us if Skirtle was under this sort of. Mate, forensic forensic for, review. For I, get, <laughs> I understand, but imagine the amount of penalties in the Premier League when VAR comes in. Wow. The first season's going to be unreal for penalties because I have a feeling that there'll be a penalty every game because because people get away with so much in that box every yeah. single game. When you watch these back and you're analysing every shot, every pass, every decision, or every you know any, every corner, and the, the amount of jostling, people being dragged down. Yeah. And referees just waving it off and running off because they're idiots. Well, when there's a VAR, it's, it's going to be called up straight away. Dude, you missed a penalty there. A clear and obvious error. And off you go to the to the television screen, you know, to check it out. And I, I just it, think... It's disappointing that the Premier League refused it this year because we've seen that the World Cup well, died. No. I think it's brilliant. Oh, no, sorry. You might as well have a discussion about it now. But I think it's brilliant here. But yeah. were, were the FA going to be doing what the, the what FIFA are doing in terms of having uh, five do, people in forget. a room, right? And I do forget we're slightly incompetent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the FA were having just one referee sitting there mm. with all these screens, and I think if you think about it, look at how many screens there are there. One referee who's probably not even very technological, yeah, doing all that. Yeah, yeah. he's probably going to be shitting himself sitting in a room doing it and getting the decision wrong anyway. So I I, I think if they can do something where they have to invest. In more referees, if there's mm-hmm. 10 games a week, that means you need 10 more referees on as a VAR, yeah? And mm-hmm. then you need, what, 40 assistants? Yeah? So you look yeah. immediately yeah. look at the type, how much work there is created, how many jobs are created from that. So that's the type of thing the Premier League need to think about. And if they went, if they made a decision off of the FA Cup, I don't blame them for saying no, Guy. Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I, I... I didn't really think about it in the terms that FIFA has put so many officials into the VAR thing. But as you say, if if the FA and the Premier League want VAR eventually in the Premier League, they're going to have to invest in more rest. So I think that is a very good point, Gags. Imagine uh, five people making a decision over one. Yeah. Right? And if yeah. there's three, if there's four people saying, yeah, yeah, needs to be reviewed that. They can make a decision as a group, right, and say, yeah, that mm-hmm. definitely. If there's like three and a two, or if there's four and a one against, then you know, right, straight away, now leave yeah. it, play yeah. the, let the game go on. And I think that's the beauty of it. There's more, more people, I know people say too many cooks, but in this, in this scenario, it's, it's better to be 100% sure that there's something wrong, you know, cause mm. it's so delicate. The game is so delicate with penalties. And I think I think most of them have gone right. I know they've missed a couple. The Swedish one yesterday they missed definitely. Yeah, but the um, Serbia yeah. one was pretty, was hilariously bad. Yeah, when Mitrovic so, got tagged in. Yeah, so there's a couple that they've missed, but on the whole, they've given a lot of penalties. So Harry, I don't think we can complain about VAR, honestly. No, I think you're right there. I think there's um, because of the way it's been implemented in, in, in this tournament, and perhaps you're right there. It, it, it would be completely different. You're talking about rolling it out across the Premier League. I mean, I've, I've not got too faith in Michael Oliver and and the like uh, sort of being the ones who are going to be uh, and he's the one good ref <laughs> yes he, he is the one good I, 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 I just plucked one out of the head I was thinking about but there are plenty of shocking ones you know, that 
Um, they need the help. So the Premier that, League refs need the help, Harry. No matter what anyone says, they're making mm. far too many bad mistakes, bad calls. And, you know, the, imagine that Lovren, the, the, the one that Harry Kane penalties think, you know, all, all that. Yeah. That scenario. Yeah, yeah. There would have been a big help if VAR was involved. The, the dive from, uh, Lamella, there would have been really nice if VAR was involved. Do you get what I mean? Loads of oh, things. Yeah. The, the Lovren penalty against Everton. It would have been really nice to see VAR involved with that. We would have got so many more points out of it, I reckon. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and didn't we get no pens at Anfield yeah. the entire season? Yeah, yeah. So, in, I mean, in the league, that's, that's, in the league, no? Yeah, in, in the league, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I think we saw even towards the end of the season, there, there are plenty of ones where <laughs> handballs from Stoke that would have made it you know, far, far more easy for us to sort of cakewalk that sort of qualification for the Champions League in the absolutely. end. But, um, moving it back to the game. Yeah. And, Plenty of golf to talk about. Um, another player who I mean, is obviously not, most, not, not the most popular figure amongst Liverpool fans either, but I think his his role in this England in this England side is, is quite interesting. He's the one who seems to be making those uh, sort of late runs into the into the box that are helping us uh, open up space a little bit, and um, he helped us win a a penalty later on as well. But um, Jesse Lingard then scoring that uh, England's third beauty. goal, um, beauty goal, uh, absolute beauty of a goal there. Um, Often kind of a weird player in terms of looking at him and just trying to judge just how talented he is. What do you make of him, Gags, personally? Um, I agree with um, Andy Wells' assessment on this guy. We were talking about it in the WhatsApp group right. where a shocking touch at times. Like there was points in this game at the start as well where oh, yeah. such an easy, he's, he's like, he's like an, he's like he's wearing Iron Man's boots, you know? Like where there was just a really perfect ball into him and it flicked up like five foot. And you thought, what the fuck are you doing? Where, how has that happened? And and then he plays a lovely one-two with Sterling. And by the way, Sterling was involved in that goal. Nice movement for for Lingard. Nice pass back into his uh, path as well. Gets the assist. I know those kind of assists are looked down upon by the status because it's from outside the area. But it was a lovely one-two and and lined up lovely for for Lingard to to place it in the top corner. I thought he played a big role, and that's that's where he's quality. He scores at least four or five of them a year, you know, from outside the box. He's got a shot on him, and not only that, he scores important goals as well. He scored in finals for United as well. You know, I know we don't like him. We're Liverpool fans. We're not going to like him, but he did, you know, he popped up there with a very big, big, you know, very big goal for him. That's what's going to give you confidence. I know these guys are only minnows, but... That's massive, man, scoring six. You just, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen at World Cup finals, you know? Not for England. Against anyone. So, for him to get on the, on the score sheet there, confidence will be sky high. Hopefully it helps Raheem a little as well. He needs it. But, yeah, he's, um, I don't think he's a consistent player. Let's put it that way, Lingard. I think he's got, he's got some deficiencies in his game, but when he turns it on, he can he can be class really and look at that goal man I mean you can't argue yeah. against it can you that was a beautiful goal yeah and he was also a player who I thought got roughed up in particular oh, he, he got did. a massive elbow to the face early on and oh um, Jesus guy I guess we should, should talk a little bit there but just just briefly about how good it was to see that doctor come on uh, the ref tried to rush him in terms of him him checking Lingard out and then he. He sort of you know, pushed the referee a little bit. Went, no, look, look, I've got, I've got to do, to do this test you know, properly to make sure he's okay. So yeah, it's a blow to the head. Um, it was good to see that, wasn't it, at the World Cup? Yeah, absolutely. And I think 
going on from that, medical professionals will always try to do the best to protect the players. But I think more, not more importantly, but kind of importantly, Alan Shearer talked about it at half-time, about having a temporary sub. I mean, I think um, you touched on it on the AI Pro pod uh, on Fatigue Index with, uh, was it Nowinski? Yeah, I think they talked on it about kind of adopting American sports and probably more common to UK folk is, is rugby union. Um, they do have that temporary medical sub. And I think that, I think that is a good um, suggestion from a mainstream pundit. And like, I imagine most of you, Alan Shearer is probably a bit of a dinosaur and probably he is, but concussion is, I don't want to say new thing in football, but to have this, have this stage and this moment to have um, big personalities in the media talk about it. It's very important. And um, I think he's right. And maybe a temporary sub is the way to do it. And then you can get a better assessment rather than having the ref rush you, as we saw today. You you literally got like a minute or or two to to try and diagnose a player. It's like, how how would you tell? You, You need a certain level of time with him. So... Say if you got ten minutes with a player, and then you, know, you can bring him back on or something, or take him off permanently or whatever, it it it's a good step in the right direction. I imagine Alan Shearer won't have that level of importance. It'll affect people at the FA or FIFA or whatever. But it, it, if it, if it starts a a campaign or awareness or just whatever, it, it it's good to see that it's being discussed properly now, rather than oh man up. It's like no, mm. shut the fuck up. <laughs> No, exactly. I mean, we really need to sort of rid the game of those sorts of, sort of old views on injuries like this, especially concussion. I think that fatigue index pod that you're talking about there, just the, it's it, it, it's the data. I think that, that that's what Chris Nowinski was sort of trying to talk about more than anything else. The, the data is becoming more and more, you know, undeniable in, in regards to sort of how dangerous, um, you know, head injury, head injuries in sports can be. So we need to be sort of on top of that. And it was good to see as well. Um, Another player who I mean, didn't score today, um, but I, I want to touch on his performance because uh, his performances for England. I mean, he's only had one so far this World Cup before before today. But Jordan Henderson's performance was um, heavily covered following that Tunisia game in in terms of you know, it, it being a strong performance. And people have plenty of opinions on Henderson. I, I want to ask you guys, what did you think of his performance today? Then again, we've seen him in that role beforehand. Uh, for England, it's again a, a little bit different given the players he's playing with. Again, we have to, have to contextualize all of these performances, I guess, against who mm-hmm. we are playing against. But how did you think he did in that sort of, again, deepest line midfielder role? I think he was better versus Tunisia. Um, but I thought he was fine today. I mean, I don't think he was doing, um, the diagonal passing as much as he was against Tunisia, which I think, no. um, grabbed a lot of attention. Um, in that game, so I think he was fine today. I think he was doing his job. Um, Panama had a couple moments in the second half. I mean, they the drew the t- the second half, which is obviously a big moment for Panama. But I think Henderson pretty much did his job pretty well. I mean, he moved the ball fairly quickly. Um, you, you, you're never going to expect him to be the creative hub of the team. We've seen that at Liverpool uh, as much as people, as much as he divides opinion. I don't think anyone expects him to be the creative force of a team or, or the national team. So I think he did his job shuffling it to the better players, trying trying to get Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And as I mentioned earlier, Trippier seems to be quite the outball nowadays. And, and we know the relationship Henderson has with, with full-backs. That's one of his main passes. 
Um, is 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 passing it out wide. So I think he, I think he's doing his job. I think Tunisia he was probably one of the top two players. Where today I think he was a bit more lost in the shuffle. That's I think that's more to to do with the other players stepping up rather than Henderson having an off game. But I think I think he was fine. Gag, did you have any, any thoughts on his performance again? Not really. I don't think there was. Just kept it ticking. Yeah, just kept it ticking. Did his job. Just kept on, you know. Um, playing it side to side whenever he could. It wasn't like the first game where he was playing some pretty special mm. balls at times. But in this one, what he did do in the second half was just keep people motivated. I think Danny Murphy was lauding praise upon him as uh, the face of Brexit always does. You know, he was trying to, <laughs> he was trying to really, really push Henderson's uh, leadership on the pitch. And now he's, he's, um, he was really trying to get the, the boys G'd up in that second half when it was quite flat. And um, it didn't really work. So, <laughs> oops. Uh, but what he is trying to do is have more shots. I've noticed he's having more shots and, and he's getting closer and closer, I think, to scoring. So that would be nice if he does get one in. But I don't think it was really a game for for judging Hendo. The, the game was over at halftime. Um, it was more set-piece stuff, penalties going in. That one wonder goal that went in. The XG is hilarious from Michael Cayley, like one to 0.7, obviously plus the two penalties for England, which is, you know, a one with a plus two in, in brackets, but that's crazy. Like, you know, that's not a very high XG, is it at all? <laughs> which, you know, I was expecting a huge one, but no, not, not big at all, but we were creating more off these set piece type things. And, um, I think, I think the focus should be more on the defense because I do think that Maguire and Walker still look really dodgy. They're the two that just don't look comfortable in that three, whereas Stones looks comfortable. Those two don't. The, if there were any mistakes today, they were coming from them. I think the goal was all Harry Maguire as well, in terms of yeah, it was too, it's too deep. So I think rather than focus on Hendo, I think the focus should be that what's yeah. going to happen when we play a, a real quality side with those, those you know, with them <laughs> we'll three. <laughs> because, because that would be my worry, you know. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, it's, it's been interesting seeing a variety of teams try and play three at the back at the moment. I think I saw Germany. I was I was amazed how they struggled with it. But you're 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 definitely right to pinpoint Harry Maguire and Carl Walker. Obviously, not in that natural position that he's used to at club level. But um, I thought they did you know, needless unforced errors on plenty of occasions. And, and as you mentioned, guys, whether it be the quality of the opposition that's going to change Belgium, of course, is it's definitely going to be a test. But I was thinking just from a Liverpool sp- sort of perspective as well, any team that presses them half decently, you're thinking that they're going to be pressed into errors because against Panama and Tunisia, let's face it, these are teams that you know, the quality is, is, is not really going to force us into too many errors, but yet there still were. Well, we've got plenty of evidence, haven't we? We've, we've been able to press at least two of those three at the back in terms of um, Stones and Walker and, yeah. and really... Put, put put the pressure on them and they've wilted, you know? So, yeah, I mean, Liverpool have done that to City, so that's it's not a good sign, really. Um, you're Salah right. Salah destroyed Maguire as well, didn't he, <laughs> when he returned? Yeah, it. just turns, easy easy turns, and he's very slow on the turn, Maguire. As you could, you could, yeah, you I could think anyone can out-turn a bus, can't they? <laughs> Absolutely. He's got the, the physical attributes for a centre-back heading and mm. clearing. He's no nonsense, but you get him in against a technical player and might be some yeah. trouble. 
especially when we've got Mertens, Hazard and Lukaku. Well, maybe Lukaku. I think Lukaku may have got a knock, but whoever they put up front, unless it's Ben Teke, it's going to be good. But what, what do you think the answer is, Gags? I mean, I know the options at centre-back aren't great. I think Phil Jones and Gary Cahill are there. I think but... Cahill's got to come in because of him playing for Chelsea mm. in that... In that everyone's right who's been pointing out this has been pointed out i mean i'm not the first to say it. there's so many people on twitter that said it as well you've got to you've got to mm. say right let's let's either take maguire out who's playing on the left side because that's where he plays right he moved into the center this season right Cahill. so that might be why because i think Last time, last year they had um, David Luiz, who kind of just fucked off, so he kind of turned back into a, mid- a defender <laughs> too. Uh, <laughs> but this year they had Christiansen playing um, centre yeah. centre back, and um, that Rudiger, who was shit for Germany the other night, mm. um, playing left centre back. So the the dynamic change that their defence. So I think I think Cahill could probably do it because Stones not similar to David Luiz, but he he's the one who can kind of push out. I know that's probably why Walker's playing, but. Stones is good enough to push out similarly to David Luiz. Yeah, um, what Walker adds is definite pace at the back in terms yeah. of cover as well. You know, if there's anyone, if there's anything, anybody running through, you'd, you'd bank on Walker to catch them. Now that wouldn't be the case if you took Walker out and put Cahill in, but then would it be more solid with Cahill in there? I, 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 mm. I just don't know. I don't know how they'd play it, but if there was one to come in to shore it up a little bit more, I'd bring him in, but then you, lo- you lose the youth and maybe the pace. I suppose so, Eric Dyer could play there as well, but he's oh my god! Then you've got you've got basically a midfielder and a fullback playing in your back three. You might as well become Liverpool and put Ginny Wijnaldum <laughs> in there. Anybody? Dyer is Dyer is more of a centre back. I mean, he's pretty shit in midfield, so he must be good at something. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's yeah. not. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly Ferdinand and Terry levels, is it? Uh, no, we we <laughs> used to have depth managed. That was one mm-hmm. position where we had depth. Carragher couldn't get in the squad. <laughs> yeah, this is this is now depth everywhere else, full back everywhere apart from bloody centre back. Crazy. And, and yeah, and goalie. Stubby, oh my. Stubby arms, McGee. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe Pope's not off of. Out of the whole of the Premier League, Pope has been like the best keeper, English keeper at least, you know, and he's not in the team. Makes no sense, but at least it's not Joe Hart. Oh, Pickford's there for his for his distribution, guys. You you should know that by now. Pickford's distribution is absolutely flawless. Um, So don't start. I already I went went on about it in the first part. I'm not going to do it again. Yeah, I called him, again. My, my mate was talking about how he liked Pickford and I called him the Poundland Edison, which I kind of think is a bit apt. <laughs> I laugh at his arms. I just laugh at it. He just seems so far away from every shot. You'll hear from Poundland for that guy. Trust me, you'll hear from them. Did you, um, won't, you won't. They're going out of business, mate. They're closing down soon. <laughs> okay, fair. <laughs> you could buy the franchise. <laughs> this is the best advertisement they've got in years. <laughs> So, guys, I mean, obviously, six points. I mean, regardless of opposition, now England top the group, and um, I mean, or Belgium as well. There, it's, it's going to be a straight shootout between England and Belgium for who's going to finish top of the group. Um, there were some calls towards the end of that game, sort of talking about do you do you give players who haven't had much of a chance so far a go in that final game, for example, um, or do you go full strength uh, to, to try and beat Belgium and, and, and top the group? We could talk about some of the possible opponents in a, in a little bit when we come on to the other games, mm. but um, what would be your sort of, um, uh, sort of thinking on that, Gags? 
do you, do you mix and match yeah, a little bit? Or definitely, definitely. Yeah, you definitely have to bring in a couple of players because, you know, at the end of the day, they've had, these guys have been playing a full Premier League season. A lot of them played a lot of Champions League football. A lot of them have gotten into cup finals, you know, uh, domestically. So, and semi-finals, you know, so they've played a lot of games, um, you know, with, as, you know, so I will always advocate on, um, on fatigue index. You have to look at how many rest days they're getting in between. Are they going to be fresh? I would definitely play somebody like, um, Trent, uh, against Belgium. He's played against most of these players before in the Premier League. Shouldn't be a problem for him. And being a more of a, a, a wing back role will be better for him than a, a right back role. Do you get what I mean? Uh, because he'll have that cover as well of Walker right sure. there next to him. And, and he, you could get more of an attacking threat. He can put a really good cross in too. So, um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing somebody like that. Rose as well. No problem seeing Rose come in for um, Ashley Young. I, in fact, I probably prefer him to Ashley Young as a player um, as well. So uh, somebody like that coming in, you could definitely do that. Rashford to get a game. He did good against um, Costa Rica, didn't he? Scored that belter before the World Cup started. Um, you know, definitely bring him in. Um, who else is there on the bench that they've taken? Vardy. Yeah, Vardy's get get Vardy some time, get him a goal. Things like Phil Jones. No, 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 no. The only thing I would change in the back three is if Cahill came in for one of them. Otherwise, yeah. them them three need if they're going to be the front if if they're going to be the three that play, they need more time to play. And we probably this is a this is a, a nothing game now. We're lucky that got six points through to the next round. That was the main objective. Get out the groups, right? And of course, like we said, they're buys, but you have to do it still. So there's some credit. So they've got through. Now this one is to say, right, can you three handle, uh, uh, you know, a grade A attacking unit? Cause they are, they are grade A. So this is the test for that back three. This is the game where you say to the back three, mm-hmm. can you handle it? And if you can't, maybe that's when Southgate has to think about, I need to change this up. So the what the three that I'd actually keep in is M3 just to test them. Because otherwise you don't know, do you? You won't know going into the next game yeah. against quality opposition. Oh, we were shit because we changed the back three. That'll be the, that'll be the excuse. Yeah. Can't have that. You've got to have that back three in there just to see how good they are against the big, the big guns. No, I'd agree, but I think we were, I, I, I have a suspicion as to how, how that's going to go regardless of, of whether it's those three or perhaps another three as well. And, and, and you, and you, you gave the good argument for Cahill there, but also there, there are those drawbacks as well, as you mentioned, um, in, in, in terms of pace that he has. And Carl Walker does have that recovery pace. Um, Guy, would you be along the sort of the same line of thinking then keeping things, um, the same at the back, but trying to freshen up here and there? Danny Welbeck, maybe bring him in for a little bit of a runabout. I forgot about Daddy Wilbur, <laughs> England's hero. Um, he has, he actually has an alright record, record for England. Yeah. Um, it, it's a weird one. I think, um, obviously this probably won't come into the factor because I imagine you'd want your team set before it and stuff like that. But weirdly, Group H has decided before Group G. I imagine that's because England v Belgium will get a lot more viewing figures than say Senegal versus Colombia, which still be a good game. But um, we we will know which position will be want to be in to get our ideal opponent. So may I don't know if he'll leave it that late because it'd only be a couple hours or even eight hour um, before kick off. But maybe he can make some last minute changes and stuff like that. But ideally, you'd probably see him have his team set out. But I think. A few changes. I mean, maybe Henderson's had probably the longest season out of everyone. 
Um, maybe whack Eric Dyer in for him. I think changing the fullbacks is quite important. I mean, Trippier had a very good start, but Trent versus Belgium, we've seen him against the Man City boys and, and Hazard this season. Um, so it shouldn't be that big a test for him. I'd, I'd, similarly to Gags, I think Danny Rose should be starting because, well, one, Ashley Young's a winger, and two, he's not very good. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd probably give Rose a go, see how fit he is, see if he can work his way into the team. And up front, we have some decent options. I think Vardy is a completely different player to to, um, to Kane. But if Kane's role's changed, as I mentioned earlier, I think that may, that may suit Vardy as well as just kind of that goal poach. So I don't think there's a huge difference. Obviously, Kane's better, but Vardy's still a very good goal scorer. So I think I think we'll rest a few of the key players. I mean... Maybe maybe Sterling gets a rest as well because well he he gets a lot of shit for no reason doesn't he Let's be honest so maybe we see Loftus cheek keepers place Lingard um, Vardy and Rashford that rings a bell so I think I think there'll be a good few changes but I imagine Belgium's second squad's better than ours yeah there are a few options there for sure and as you mentioned yeah Belgium's death is uh yeah it's pretty scary as well but, um, flirty. <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean, you, you, you dread it. You run from it. <laughs> it's it's, it's going to come anyway. But in, in, in terms of the Thanos is coming. Point, Where's Thanos coming from? <laughs> it's Fellaini, mate. It's it's, it's a Fellaini set piece goal. Dread it. Run from it. <laughs> Marouane will will come. But uh, in, in terms of possible opponents, then maybe we could talk about who who we'd prefer or who 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 we'd be keen to avoid, of course. But yeah, Japan Senegal finished two two today. Um, Japan, just I mean, talking very briefly about their World Cup, I mean, I think plenty of people would have, would have assumed that Colombia would have beaten them in the opening game. Of course, that red card right at the start changed everything, but they went on to, to win that game even after Colombia came back into things. Um, and, you know, today, fall back again after Senegal went ahead in the second half, uh, to ensure they finished 2-2. So they go into that game against Poland knowing what they have to do, um, as do Senegal and Colombia. Um, Guy, just just on the Senegal um, Japan game, then um, this Japan side. I, mean, I saw a brief interview with I think it was Honda beforehand, talking about that they were embarrassed last mm-hmm. time round, and, and and that they wanted to be uh, considered more serious contenders this time round. Um, uh, they they more than held their own against Senegal, didn't they? D- d- despite Senegal's quality and plenty of players that are more familiar to us, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a weird one. I mean, similarly to you, I thought Japan would kind of be the whipping boys of, whipping boys of this group because, well, I may have overestimated Poland a bit, um, but no, Japan have kind of been against Colombia. It was obviously weird because they had the Colombia had the ten men, and Colombia were probably the better team for not the majority of the game, but they they kind of ran out of steam. But whilst they were on it, they were certainly the better team. But Japan kind of. Stayed strong and then eventually, I think the fitness just kind of um, overcame it. Um, but against Senegal, I only saw the first half because I was going to play football. Um, but Senegal looked the much better team. But Japan seemed to have this ability just to not get destroyed in games. Like you've seen teams snowball get snowballed a little bit. Panama's probably a bad example because, well, we. Everyone expected us to beat them, but we've seen some tight games kind of snowball. Like Croatia, Argentina, that just that just went from a storm to a proper shitstorm for Argentina. Whereas Japan seemed to just re- re- regather themselves and then kind of get back into it. I mean, Senegal probably have the better team or more 
or a more famous team. And obviously, as Liverpool fans, we, we'd love Mane to do well. Um, but no, Japan seemed to just have something about them where they just stay in games and eventually um, get late goals. I mean, I didn't see I didn't see either Senegal's second goal or Japan's second goal, but with a deserved result. I mean, Japan's second goal was a little bit of a scramble on Honda, who mm. ju- who'd just come on, so tucked that away. Um, but I guess you could say... Fantasy points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, thought like they they won. Won. I thought they could have won. They had, they, yeah, they had some really good chances, man. They had some one where air shot, total empty, one on one, air shot, totally misses it. If he'd, if the kid, oh. I can't remember who it was, if he went sliding in with his foot outright, he touches it and it goes in. But instead, he's, he's actually trying to take a shot and tap it in. No need, just needed to slide in with his foot stuck out and it would have gone in. And the other one was a beautiful one that hit the bar or the post, which lovely football outside the box. Nice little flick into him. I can't remember his name again. He took the shot, but. Uh, curled it right round the keeper, hit the bar and went down. You know, far, far better chances, I thought, than Senegal in the end. Senegal played good at the start of the game. I haven't got the numbers, and I, 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 if Sai does listen to this, uh, maybe he won't, but if he does, but if he can prove whether, how, how fit Japan are, because I felt like they just, they just outran them in the end or, or had, you know, with a superior fitness team with a superior fitness in the, in, in the end, because they were strong at the end of the game, whereas Senegal kind of faded out a little. So it'd be interesting to know if Sai does know whether that was the case in terms of distance run. Did Japan outrun them in the second half did, by, by a, a clear distance? Because it seems so, but, um, I'm I know he's not both. started the games, but that Okazaki who plays for Leicester seems to kind of, Exemplify that. He yeah, kind of yeah. just—he made the goal. Just the last destro- yeah, he just destroys himself for sixty minutes and then just re- replaces, gets replaced <laughs> by another robot. Absolutely, <laughs> Size talks about him in Premier League games. He comes on, he yeah. just runs his nuts off, you know. So that—that that is one of the things they do. And they've got—they've got a legend. Honda's a legend, you know. It doesn't matter what you yeah. say. That's third World Cup in a row where he scored in. That's the stuff of legends, you know. That's what they do. So for 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 Japan, sorry, is what I'm talking about. He's a legend for Japan. No, 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 not for English football. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, talking to Japanese players, he's a legend for them. And for someone to come on and finish it like that, massive, massive story, massive moment for the World Cup. Um, if you take yourself out of the England bubble, that, that's a, that's just a, such a massive story for a nation, you know. And and um. Our own little Sadio scored as well in the game, and so we were all cheering him on. I would like both of them to go through, but obviously there's another team in this group that's uh, pretty sick, as people would say yeah. nowadays. Yeah, I think that, that's sort of the perfect transition to talk about them then, I think. Uh, moving on to Colombia then, um, and that opening game against Japan, as, as we sort of mentioned there, I mean, when you concede a penalty and have a man sent off so early on in the game, it completely changes. I mean, it completely throws you, especially in your opening game of a World Cup campaign. And um, I thought Colombia actually did, did very well to wrestle themselves back into that game. Um, but again, I think, as Guy mentioned, they just just, just ran out of steam towards the end. But um, today I thought you saw really sort of the the full fluidity of their attack. You know, Quintero, who's a lovely little player, who you, you sort of completely forget about the fact that he's had some really bad injuries over the past couple of years, but you know, incredibly naturally talented. Uh, James Rodriguez, who seems to sort of turn up for these sort of international tournaments. You remember how he lit up the last one? Um, and he's here again, incredibly influential after missing a large part of that, that opening game. Guy, I mean, coming over to Colombia, I mean, you, you talked about Poland, maybe overestimating, uh, Poland at the start. I mean, you, there's plenty of names there that we recognize in that Poland team, but 
they're all getting on a little bit. And um, mm. in, terms of, in terms of dynamism, uh, this Columbia team's a completely different uh, uh, different animal, isn't it? Yeah, it's a weird one. I think I overestimated Poland, and I think I underestimated Colombia. I thought maybe might have been a tournament too far, but um, no, they look really good. Um, it's not even just about Hammers, but I'll I'll, I'll eulogise about Hammers in, in a little bit. But um, you look at it all. I mean, da- well, David Spain. I mean, he was kind of embarrassing goal. With he, I think he dived more to try and get <laughs> as, an, as injured rather than uh, trying to make saves. But um, even the defence, you saw Davinson Sanchez and Yerry Mina, who we, we, we were kind of half linked with. Um, they just seemed to physically battle Lewandowski throughout the game. Um, fullbacks, I, I wasn't uh, familiar with. Midfield just seems to be functional, and then Quintero and James just kind of add that little bit of magic factor. I think Quintero, I think Quintero might be one of those World Cup players where he gets off the back of a good tournament and he'll get get a decent move because I think he's on a free in, in in six months or something like that. But Quintero, I think he struggled to get in the Porto squad, and now now we've seen him running games for Colombia. Um, but James Rodriguez, oh, Jesus Christ, um, we we're linked with Fekir and stuff like that, but. If we want a midfielder who's literally your attacking one and and a replacement for Phil Con- Phil Coutinho, I mean, if we could, if there was any way we could get Rodriguez, I mean, Jesus Christ, I don't care how old he is, he he's a special player. And Real Madrid seems to kill certain players, but yeah. we've we've seen at Bayern Munich and um, Porto and Monaco before, and especially with Colombia, he's a bloody special player. And if we could get him, he'd be. Fucking brilliant, <laughs> and Falcao as well. He he's fine. He looks not back to his best because he was a bloody freak back at Atletico Madrid. <laughs> but he seems to be, at least be able to move now, which is good. <laughs> yeah, it's always 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 useful a bit of mobility in football. I mean, gags just on James Rodriguez. Then I mean, there's, there's a couple others we could talk about. I Maybe mean, Cuadrado as well. I, I thought he was very influential. But um, <laughs> James Rodriguez. I mean, he's it's, it's an interesting one because I. You watch him at Bayern, and I think he's improved lately at Bayern. But you watch him at Real Madrid as well, and he just seemed to get swallowed up and and, and sort of completely go in, inside himself in terms of the player we 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 all saw at the World Cup. Um, in comparison to who we saw at club level, um, why do you think it is that he seems to you know seems to be shining for uh, you know, his country on sort of the biggest stage of them all, I guess. Um, in, in know, you know, I've, I've not watched a lot of Bayern, but a lot, I've seen a lot of people say towards the end of the season he was excellent. He was he, excellent towards he, the end. Yeah, yeah, he was getting better and better and better. So he does. He is a quality player at the end of the day. Really, like you know, last World Cup littered up with goals. In this one, seems to be more of a well. In this game, especially more of a playmaker. And you look at some of the the passes for the goals today. They were sublime. Yeah, sublime. You know that that's. The Quadrado one just just splits everything, you know. <laughs> like, wow, wow! I just yeah, you 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 stand up. It takes take, type of player that gets you out of your seat, you know. And now two World Cups in a row as well that he's producing moments of quality. Um, I know we say you know it's not the barometer for anything a World Cup. There's the the level of opposition you play is is poor, but I think they went quite deep, didn't they, last time Colombia? So. They were playing the they were playing the better teams at that point, but um, I think I think quality sh- you know just it shines through. It does shine through. It doesn't matter who you play. That's the whole point, right? The best players carve open the teams that aren't as good, and it, they make it look easy and beautiful. 
and that is a sign of a quality player as well. And then, then they, they pull those things out in, against the best teams and they're even better. But, um, in this game, I thought, yeah, he was a step above him and Cuadrado as well. I'd take him, you know, at Liverpool. I'd take another Chelsea yeah. reject because I reckon we'd make him look <laughs> superb as a, as a quality, you know, someone who'd play in the front three and, and not, and, and just switch. No, I've no problem in, in coming in and out of the team, you know. So I thought he was great too. Uh, Falcao with a lovely finish. Some touches were great, some not so good. They've got, they've got a, iconic, some iconic players in that team, you know, that have won things with, with their clubs and done well, really, really well, you know, but like, like they have on the bench or sorry, not on the bench in the, in the, in the stands, you know, with the, with the legends in the stands. But, um, I, yeah. I think they've got, I think they've got a, a good chance now of, um, of getting through. Uh, because that that'll be a massive confidence boost for them. That performance, they were they were all over them. Did they? Did Poland even create anything? You know, at all? I don't think Lewandowski don't think, had a shot. <laughs> uh, that, that's nuts, right? That you've got the best striker in the world, but you just can't get the ball to him. They've got yeah. nothing. And I think I was moaning about it in the WhatsApp. You probably saw it, uh, guy, unless mm, you were out. Yeah. Where I said it's a six, they're playing six at the back at times. It was just mm. a line of five. And then the anchor right in front of the centre back is like we pretty much could put him in the middle of him. He was sitting on top of him. So I think it was that West Brom guy. What's his name? Ah, oh, Krako- uh, yeah, severe one. Yeah. Krakowia. I was going to say you battered us in a previous. Yeah, match. yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it, it, it was just like um, it just was baffling. Like, what are you doing? You you lost the first game. You've got to win this game. How are you playing? Are you playing just to get one chance score? Go home. Well then, you deserve the beating, because that's the type of football we don't want to see in a World Cup. You know, nobody you understand like an Iceland doing it, a team like that doing. It, but you've got some quality players, guys, in your team. What are you doing? So they're not a, they're not a Saudi Arabia, are they? No, Let's be honest. They're not. I think po- good po- Poland. I think po- I can't. I, I maybe they did well in the Euros, didn't Poland. they? Yeah, I think Poland were pretty damn good in qualification for the World Cup. So I don't know what's gone wrong there. Um, you look at players like Zielinski, who we've obviously we've obviously linked with back in the day. I think he's been uh, he's been on uh, AI scouted as well. I think Dave mentioned him a couple of times. Mm. There's just nothing there in that squad, was there? Nothing. So awful. <laughs> I think awful. Lewandowski may have took a couple numbers off his uh, transfer fee if he does want to go to Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I don't. I don't think anyone looks at uh, the World Cup to be honest nowadays as much, um, especially someone like Lewandowski yeah, won't won't matter at all. But I I, I do think though that just, just wish to learn that before you. <laughs> yeah, before you. Yeah, I, I I do think though that that Colombia from this performance will be. Yeah, the, Absolutely, because they, they, they were playing a team that just didn't want to play football and wanted to just park it. And in the end, once they got the first one with a, a beautiful routine. By the way, we didn't even talk about England's free kick routine, which was I thought was class. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was class. <laughs> like I said, we have to praise some of the, the coaching going on because they you, you knew it was coming, something was coming. And p- to produce a goal from it, you have to give it a... A bit of a clap, I think. Yeah. So fair play. But then same thing with these guys. Um, Hamas Rodriguez, Rodriguez's pass for that first goal for the cross. I mean, just, just beautiful, just beautiful and a lovely header as well. So they, like I said, they, they, once they got that goal, the game opened up and then they carved them up, didn't they? Some beautiful. We've football. seen a few number tens. So, so, so I mean, uh, so, so really stamping their authority on games. I mean, if you think about Croatia, 
and they're a little bit spoiled for choice in terms of having Rakitic, Modric, Kovacic coming off the bench as well for them. Spain, we've seen some uh, some, some fabulous stuff from Isco um, in, in this game. James Rodriguez as well, Quintero to a lesser extent. You've got those real creative players who, as you mentioned, there, guys, when teams have no interest of coming out really. And um, whilst that has worked on the whole, in terms of you know, teams being smaller, teams being better organised and harder to beat, those players do seem to have lit up, lit up games like this. But um, I guess that brings us on nicely to sort of I'd finish say, up. Then. I'd say they light it up once they've got the first goal because it's a tight yeah. affair. And then as soon as the game opens up, their quality shines. They can really dictate things, yeah, yeah. for sure. Okay, so the, in in terms of potential opponents, then I think this is probably the best way to end things up here for, for this pod. But um, in, t- in terms of potential opponents that you think would be the worst matchups for England, then um, who would it be for you guys, Senegal or Colombia, who, who, who you wouldn't want to face? I'm being harsh to Japan there, considering how they've actually played so far. Oh, I think they're top of the group qualify. as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm being very and harsh. Poland. Um, I think Japan would be the best for England in terms yeah. of style, but worst, I think, would be Colombia. I mean, Senegal have a very good team and stuff like that, but you look at our midfield and in defence for England, I mean, Henderson as a lone midfielder against Rodriguez and Quintero, and then Falcao against Beach Ballhead and, and the right back. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it'd be a bit of a scary proposal. And I think even Quadrado against, well, if Ashley Young keeps his spot, I think Colombia are probably tailored to play against England because even if they, even if we dominated the ball, I think you've seen how quickly they can they can counter in transition and stuff like that. So I think Hammers would probably batter our midfield, and I may be doing Henderson a disservice there, but I think Hammers versus Henderson and Falcao versus versus our proper weakness, it, it, it it'd be a worry for me. Yeah, Quadrado out wide as well could really cause a lot of issues yeah. for those fullbacks for sure. I think especially with some of their positioning, um, irrespective of how sort of. I mean, Ashley Young, as you mentioned, there he's not very good in that position. He's also not as quick as he once used to be either. So I think they could they could definitely cause problems there. Gags, would you tend to agree with Guy in terms of Colombia being the worst possible opponents for, I think, for England? I think Senegal might be because I think they've got so much pace down the down the flanks that if we're caught up pitch, if the if our marauding wing backs are caught high up the pitch, <laughs> then uh, you're going to get these two pacey guys running down the flanks and with Sadio. In and around there with Nyang as well, you, you know, it could be trouble for the, the back three, really. Sadia will, will relish it as well because he, he's, he's done some damage this season already yeah. against a couple of them. So I think, I think that pacing behind might be the problem, you know, might be a big worry because I know those two boys aren't slowing for England, but it's, it's more about transition, isn't it? It's when you're caught. In transition and, and, and then it doesn't matter how fast you are as, um, as Moreno shows if, you know, when you're up, up, up the field and it's not his fault, by the way, guy, I'm talking about if the team I'm is good. caught, if the I'm team good. is caught out of possession, then you're going to get, you, you, you got no choice. And then against that back three, Maguire don't turn. Uh, by the time he's turned, we've conceded. So yeah, I, <laughs> I would, I would be, uh, I'd be more worried about Senegal, and I think against yeah, I, I think against Colombia, you could probably shut down uh, Rodriguez, and then Cuadrado is just the one, just the one pacey guy, you know. I think, and then and and, and, I, and I know the midfield's decent, but then I think you look at their defense, 
um, Colombia's and Poland offered nothing, really, really offered nothing. And I think England's would do some damage as well. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's just, you, you, it's, I think England's, England's weak point is the defense. So I think Guy has points about, good points about, um, their attack in terms of Colombia, but I think the raw pace might just hurt us from Senegal. So who knows? Who knows? But I, I don't think either of are a good, good matchup, to be honest. So it'll be a very, very interesting, um, if if England want to bring it home, as 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 it's been said now throughout yeah. the whole country, you 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 can't be worrying about Colombia and uh, Senegal, no. especially Japan. The, the one good thing is both their keepers look dodgy, don't they? <laughs> Colombia's, <laughs> yeah, Colombia's and Senegal's look a bit. Ugh, so yeah, I, I mean, can I ask you one question? What did you think of the goal that Senegal conceded? There was one where. The defender heads it away before the keeper gets there. And they started, and, and the panel called it really bad goalkeeping. Like they slated the shit out of him. And I thought, hold on, his players flicked it away from him. How can that be his fault? How can, how can it, there was, I think it was the, it was the, it was the equalizer at the end. Basically, what happens is the cross comes in and the defender actually flicks it over the keeper's hands. Yeah. So then, no, then Akazaki gets it and fires it across and it's a tap in, but I, I, and they were, they were absolutely rinsing the keeper. I felt sorry (laughs) for him. I thought, hold on, are you watching the same feed as me? But I think they were saying his timing was bad and he should have got there in. What's he supposed to do? Bundle his own defender out the way or knock him out? I don't get it. I mean, even for that first goal that Mane scored him, is a clanger from the, Japanese keeper as well, wasn't it? Going for yeah. the punch and punching it straight. That into was a Mane. bad one. That was a bad one. Yeah, it was about a foot away from him. So yeah. That, what the, do you think, Harry? Has... Anyway, in terms of the the, the opposition, Japan or Colombia? Then before we go, oh, the, in terms of worst opposition. For me, I do I do tend to lean to. I mean, I, I think I agree about sort of Senegal's pace causing us lots of trouble for sure in terms of the all, all, all the dynamic runners they had. But actually, I think they're actually quite a clever side as well. Um, but. Colombia, I, I just have a little bit of a fear about, um, as you mentioned there, Gag, some of those misplaced pa- passes, some of those errors from the back three that we've seen. I just wonder that do you get away w- with those errors against a side like Colombia where they do have the creativity, as you mentioned there, from James Rodriguez and, and Quintero? Yes, you can shut them down for periods, but if you're going to be making errors like that, would they hurt you? So, um, and just especially with Falcao's, just a striker who, although he might not be the sort of the, in the scintillating form that we, we remember from a few years ago, I think he's just been in there, done that, and says he's, he's a very, very experienced striker. So um, I, I tend to lead to a, lean towards Colombia being a, a worse matchup for us, but I think Senegal could be equally threatening to be honest. So that's a real fence-sitting answer there. But, but I think Colombia, I think they'd probably be the ones who England would dread a little bit more. But um, guys, just before we do completely wrap up, I just wanted to ask you just just, just one final question. What was your favourite goal from the games that we all saw uh, today? Then, uh, Gags, come to you first. Oh God, this is tough. Because I thought there were some nice ones for Colombia. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to stick with Lingard's. I think. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was um, a beautiful goal on a big stage, and uh, good, good, good for him, and good for England. Yeah, sure. Guy, what was your favourite one? Uh, Harry Kane accidental goal. <laughs> I knew he was going to say something funny. Completely intentional. Completely intentional. 100%. Very, very harsh to 
to be describing that. I mean, it would have been so funny if he didn't claim it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if, if you reference Devar, can, can, can we just check that? I, mean, I thought he was offside, actually. I thought he was lucky. <laughs> he was lucky. I mean, that's potentially one uh, one downside to Devar coming to the Premier League is Harry Kane trying to claim various goals from from VAR reviews or things like that. Who knows what would happen? But um, yeah, got to give him credit for today. I thought he was. Yeah, he was excellent in, in, in the bits and pieces he had to do those penalties. As you mentioned, Gags really nicely taken. But um, thank you both for sort of helping me sort of go through those games. I think we've seen plenty of quality today. Nice to see England have a comfortable win for once in these sorts of games in the World Cup. Um, and, I think that's and now, the first in my lifetime. <laughs> exactly. Just one where you can relax at half time just never, never happens. Um, so, yeah, we, we now look almost to Thursday's game against, uh, mm. against Belgium to see. Um, how they perform under a real test. But uh, yeah, thank you guys for sort of helping me look at those games and uh, uh, for all those sort of following the World Cup pod on Anfield Index. We should be back in a in a few days' time to cover more games. So um, yeah, keep tuned in and uh, uh, look forward to speaking to you again soon. Network.